This experience is best with headphones. This is a program in partnership with Open and Clear Broadcasting. For more information and additional programs, visit us at openandclear.com. For any questions you would like us to focus on, comments about the show, inquiry about advertising with us, or just want someone to talk to, please visit us there at openandclear.com. Beware of false prophets, 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 which come to you in sheep's clothing. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into driver's temptation. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That ye may ye shall know them by their fruits. Entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. Driven. Is Reverend Devon Divine a false prophet? For let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Sent here to Lord. lead us astray. A doubting, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice that he is exalted. But the rich or is he a spiritual teacher who can guide us to the path of freedom? I'm Dr. Mark. Come with me and partake of his fruit of knowledge. And decide for yourself. Then when the lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow or of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we shall be. Welcome to another episode of False Prophet. On this July 24th episode, I'm Dr. Mark here with Reverend Devin Devine. How has your week been, Devin? It's been pretty good. Yeah, it's Pioneer Day today here in Utah. I know. And, and have fireworks and barbecue and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do that. <laughs> well, I think we're doing fireworks anyway later. Yeah, there's two other states that uh, practice Pioneer Day. Did you know that? Is it Idaho and 
Well, that's that's the common guess, but it's actually uh, Missouri for the Mormons leaving and California for them <laughs> actually stopping in Utah. <laughs> oh, no way. No, it's not true, but it's funny. I was going to say, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. That's actually pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell my friends. <laughs> I'm jealous though because you're gonna have fireworks and a day off, and it's summer. I'm in England where it's basically rainy and there are no fireworks and there's nothing to do. <laughs> it's just a Monday. Yeah, but you got a big clock to listen to. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> big clocks are always good. <laughs> so how's your life Man. going? Good. I was uh, I was talking with a friend a couple days ago, and I brought up Jean-Paul Sartre, who's a French existentialist. And so I was looking at some of his stuff again. And he has this idea called bad faith. And I thought it was interesting. <laughs> he talks about how um, <laughs> he says being precedes or existence precedes essence. So we're born... And then we define who we are and what our purpose is through our experience. So we have these experiences and we go through life and we do stuff and that's who we are. But we can do anything. We can have this infinite amount of experience. But people don't like all that choice, all that stuff. And so we have this innate thing that we do where we have bad faith. And he says to explain this, look at it like a waiter. And a waiter may hate his job. And he's waiting every day and he's doing all this stuff. But he tells himself, well, I can't leave. I'm helpless. I got to be here. I need this job. I'm going to die without it. I need to be here waiting every single day, even though I just hate it. And Sartre says that's bad faith to intentionally or not even intentionally, but like subconsciously to hide <clears throat> our own like divine authority, our own ability to make any change in the world at all. It's almost like a... Uh, a nurture being suppressed by nature <laughs> instead of being either or or that's interesting yeah no I, so instead of i'm um, to try and comprehend the theory and what you're talking about you're saying that he could make you know waiter dumb or waiterhood into something miraculous if he put his whole heart into it but he's having this idea that you know, it sucks, so he's pretty much making it suck and continuing only to see suckingness and crappiness and 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 hating it. And so he right. only brings hate to the situation instead of making the best out of it, as some would say. So he's you, stuck. Yeah. Yeah, or he could quit being a waiter and be a surgeon or go live in the woods somewhere, you know. Yeah, but at the but same he time, he's, it's the mindset that he brings with him. Mm -hmm. So he's going to... He might find something exciting because it's new, but then he's going to fall right back into that same untrained aspect of the mind that sees suckiness everywhere and still sees that, <laughs> you know, even though, oh, yeah, I'm making more money, I'm making this better situation, all this, I worked hard for it, oh, I, I still, you know, I'm still not happy, oh, I'm still not doing what I want, right? And right. it's like endless looking somewhere else and, you know, the grass is always greener over there. I I could understand that. I I don't know about bad faith. I mean, what? How is it? 
defined as faith in that scenario. I know. He's a he's a French existentialist. He just throws words together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it, as far as believing in yourself um and mm-hmm. what you're capable of, it is definitely and would be considered a bad or a negative perspective or lack of, you know, perspective of seeing that you're capable of making the best out of the situation and really ch- turning it all around. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because he's like, we all do this. We all like to stay in our little selves. And I almost think he would have put like the word ego in there yeah. or something. Yeah, the ego is definitely a terminology. And even as I would say Christ self and using Christian terminology, it it all really... Mm-hmm. When you analyze the world and any aspect of the universe, it's all going to use symbolism, and it's all using these words and and using these images that we seem to see to eventually, you know, get us to greater states of understanding and peace and and truly the truth of it, and which is the same all around. Uh, so it uses symbols to help the comprehension of it and often you know using that stairway of heaven idea but often people stop and say oh i see the truth now and it still has a lot of symbols to it instead of you know Mm -hmm. where do those symbols come from what do they mean and continuing to the depths of of you know ultimately recognizing that it is one thing like that pyramid idea that it has you know hundreds if not thousands of bricks on the bottom, but every time you go up a layer, it gets less and less and less until there's only one brick left. Right. And it's kind of the same idea as that, you know, we have this perspective of 10,000 things, as the Tao Te Ching calls it. And and it's really just the perspective of that. And as you're coming closer and closer to truth, regardless of what path you're taking, it's all going to that same one truth, and we're getting farther and farther, and it gets less and less seeming complicated. Mm-hmm. Even Until though it goes back to like one primary thing. Yeah, even though like my attempts, for an example, or anybody's attempts to explain the the deeper levels, if we're using those terms, uh, explaining the, the life. And perspective of that one brick, you know, it's it's to the the perspective of trillions or thousands of bricks, you know, mm-hmm. it's it doesn't make any sense. It's a whole different perspective. And I was I was relating this today on the Dao De Ching pa- uh, podcast earlier that to look from the eyes of an electron, you know, has absolutely no idea that it's uh, consisting and making uh, what would be an element and what would be, let's say, a piece of skin or the cell and then that a piece of skin. And really, even as it's still spinning and just almost as if you're, it's a person on that little electron planet, let's say, on a, a, an energetic world, it has absolutely mm-hmm. no idea. And the distance in between each electron and all the other atoms and stuff you know, is, you know, even farther than the distance between our planets in this solar system. And <laughs> to think that it, it can comprehend a, that it it was a piece of skin that just died <laughs> <laughs> and is now this 
dust thing and gets breathed in by human beings. It had absolutely no idea that it was uh, even a cell, let alone a human being or a finger or anything like that. And just that seeing that perspective is like our little perspective in the same sense of being human beings is that, you know, we can't comprehend this greater aspect of what the universe is about from this tiny little perspective. And that, it, you know, it, we can make up our own purpose to life. We can make up our own meaning. But, you know, ultimately, it doesn't really make any difference to the alternate perspectives. Just like, and this electron and, say, billions of people on it, <laughs> beings or whatever they are, uh, <laughs> if there is any, could have all sorts of opinions and different religions about what it believes in reality and what it believes are true, you know, does it believe that it's building a finger or not, you know? <laughs> and that whole energy comes and is never really dies. It just continues and changes and becomes something else. And is it in the perspective of, is it aware that it became something else? It, it can't be. You know, it's aware of its own little world, its own little perspective. And that's pretty much the same thing in kind of what we're doing. We're not necessarily building a finger, but there's definitely greater aspects, greater means, greater worlds than what we can comprehend. Oh, wow. Have you ever seen one of those Men in Black movies where <laughs> yeah. the dog's collar has that jewel in the middle or whatever, and it yeah. contains a whole galaxy, and it's this super big source of energy or whatever? Yeah. I always think about that, because in medicine... Um, we talk about the way that we eat food, the nutrients or whatever becomes energy. But really, if you break it down to the biochemical mechanisms of it, the only thing that happens is a single electron is being transported from a sugar. That's all it is. It's one electron. Mm -hmm. Our entire bodies are powered by electrons. Yeah. I'm like, man, what if that's like a galaxy? You know? Yeah. And it's just, you know, spinning. Like mm -hmm. we think... You know, we're actually eating something, we're actually doing something, but it's just, you know, we're more like a black hole in the center of this spinning, or this white hole idea, this spinning hole system. You know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's really depends on what perspective we have to seeing reality and the fact that we think we know and understand what we're looking at when it is really just completely can be something totally different just to an additional perspective and mm. it's, it's intense that's why kind of the idea of the bad faith in sartre is really interesting to me because the component about it is that there's so much more to the universe all these other perspectives that we block out for the sake of convenience or ease or we just don't want to have to we don't want to have to mentally hold all of that yeah. and so we block it out we filter it out yeah and then it develops Mostly because we see, oh, well, as this person, you know, I have this job, I'm supposed to do this. And I already mm -hmm. have, I see my purpose, you know, in, in a way, or I think I see my purpose. And I just, I'm supposed to do this. I'm here to wash dishes all every day, all day, you know, and, and that idea. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and to think of it in that sense, if you're just, you know, the, the, yeah, you're going to, you know, die doing that purpose and everything, and uh, then see additional perspectives. 
and that it's not necessarily required that everyone attempts to comprehend greater aspects of themselves or further additions or whatever mm. you know it's not it's definitely not required because i you know i need people making computers so i can use one you know i need <laughs> i need people making food so that it can be on my table and in the same sense and right. I, I need people that master making clothes and you know so i can wear them and you know it's all supporting the same idea and everything is really a belief and a reflection of of my mind and what i see in reality to be true and then everything supports that there's a whole universe around just the fact that i want to be a body and i want to mm -hmm. have these moral standards of you know i wear clothes in public i eat food because i don't <laughs> want to die you know all this, right. these ideas and it all everything supports it so even that I want to be a positive person, I have to have negative people around me so they emphasize that I'm so positive. That's true. There's a scripture about that, actually. Yeah. Paul's talking, and he says, man, there's this, he calls it a vice or something. He never actually says what it is, but there's something that bothers him. He's like, I wish I could change this about myself. I wish I could change this. And he prays to God, and he says, let me say, change this thing about me. And God says that in your weakness is my strength made perfect <laughs> in that contrast. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Because he didn't way. just remove. Yeah. He didn't just remove the weakness, the weak element, the differences. He allows it all to exist, all this spectrum to exist for the sake of the variation. Some people become awakened and some people are waiters who hate so their job. So you're you're more familiar with the state of an atom than I might be. You got electrons and protons and neutrons and boyons and <laughs> right, yeah. And you're making a, and you can probably describe it to me. In fact, I might want you to. But there's there's definitely you know positive aspects of a proton and an electron, and they have different charges about them. And, right. you know, maybe that Adam looks at itself and says, you know, I wish I didn't have so many, you know, negative charges in myself, you know. <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding me? No, we need you to be this specific type of balance to develop this element. I, I can try and tell you what, you know, water is and, and the fact that you're hydrogen, but you're not going to understand mm. it, you know. That's funny. Actually, scientifically, that's very valid because... The number of electrons in the outer shell of an atom, <clears throat> the number of negative charges, actually determine how it chemically reacts with everything else. So if you mess with those electrons or something, if they change, it totally changes the element. If you mess with the protons, it changes the element too. Yeah. And so and like... Go ahead. So like salt. Salt will have seven electrons on one atom and one electron on the other. And they're like, we want a full valence. And so they combine together. But if one of them was like, you know, I've got so much negativity around me and I just don't want this, it would literally cease to be the thing that it is. Yeah. It's because of all the negativity around it that it acts and is what it is. And it perfectly acts in its sphere. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's kind of the same sense. Like we think we're in this war between good and evil on earth, but really we're, right. we're actually something greater that we can't even comprehend. And it is mm -hmm. just, just like that. 
that you know element 11 right salt that it doesn't uh, it doesn't really have the same consistency and in fact this whole world wouldn't be serving its purpose if it was only good you know if the good actually won you know it wouldn't be serving the purpose of developing what it's actually about if it was all bad at the same time either way you know, and so when you see that development as we're going through these dimensional perspectives and, and going through this state of opposition and you talk about it in that terms, in those terms, you can kind of see and understand that when it is about perspectives that we are then going and coming from a perspective that doesn't even understand opposition, you know, like even being atoms, let's say, as energetic mm -hmm. beings and a way of understanding that and then evolving into cells and becoming a human being and and even then becoming consciously aware of ourselves. That it all is additional perspectives and has additional problems and laws and ideas about it that just have different understanding, just different experiences. And mm -hmm. this isn't the end, you know, the idea that we die and the whole, I like, I like that idea as we go get into protons and electrons and atoms and everything. It's like, do they know that they just, they were an animal that was just hit by a train or a mm -hmm. bus and is now splattered on the wall or in the road and, and is just, it's becoming something different and is being eaten by other animals? No. No, it has no idea. You know, it's still just spinning, being its own little electron, being its own little atom, being its own little thing. Still right. the same somewhat structure. And even though it breaks down, even though what we know is skin and meat and all this stuff breaks down and dissolves, it's still not even becoming other things. Some of it <laughs> comes gas and all this stuff. But even then, it's still in that tiny perspective of an atom. It's still mm -hmm. being the same thing. Just, oh, I'm going to move over here, and I'm going to move over there, and hey, they think, you know, they're having a party. <laughs> Actually, one thing about atoms that's really interesting to me, as our understanding of science has evolved, we've moved through these ideas where we used to think the middle of an atom was the solid thing, yeah. um, made of protons and neutrons, and then the electrons would be these little balls that would flow around the atom. But the more we've studied it, it turns out that we don't know what electrons are. In fact, what they are when you get into like analytical chemistry and stuff, they become clouds of probability. They're probability clouds of where the electron probably will be yeah. because it actually fades into and out of existence. Yeah. So yeah. the weirdest thing I ever learned in chemistry is we're made up of all these gajillions of atoms that have tons and tons of these electrons but some of the electrons of my body are in the moon right now and some are in kolob and some yeah. are in heaven and they're bouncing back and forth and it like blurs the line between like where am i yeah. and on some very real level i'm everywhere all the time it's only a probability that my body's here perceivable in this moment yeah it's like wow so that's the thing about dimensions even that quantum physics level uh, it has totally different laws to the universe. That It's not about solidified form and being in one spot all the time, stuck in this little body, getting on a plane to fly to another spot. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's a totally different scenario. And that that's kind of the idea. You get the 
idea of how I describe the spiritual universe with light and sound. It's like the mm. only reason it seems evident is because it emanates, it lights up, and it has or a reflex light. And then we, we want to say that's from friction, but at the same time, that probability, that movement, it's like it's not even, in, and that's sound, and that's not even in existence as far as what light can see until you decide what you're looking at already. And that's kind of the, with, what it's like with the beginning of the universe. You know, God said, let there be light. Really, it was the Son of God thinking, what is there? Oh, there's light. And then it started seeing light. It started being the experience mm -hmm. of that. But it was that movement. And to say it, it thought where, what was light or where was light is a misunderstanding, too, because it never thought in words or anything. It was literally just the movement. And that movement mm -hmm. developed that light experience and that experience of light. And so it, it begat the whole holographic experience of the universe of seeing what it is, what am I, and who it is. And, and so I'm like trying to explain it as I often use those same words. Uh, it, mm -hmm. And we try and get touched different areas of how to explain this. But it's almost impossible because these words are only in existence you know, on this fourth dimensional perspective. That even mm -hmm. on that quantum physics level, uh, to say light and sound... And just the fact that their words has means absolutely nothing, and it doesn't. You can't even be comprehended that there's lights and sounds, and to identify with knowing what a sound is to say there's voice and the vibration, it's a totally different meaning on the quantum physics level. You know, as that movement that is even on the third dimensional level, that movement of atoms is seems pretty stagnant to me. And, and solid and liquid and all this, but it's not. And, and so, we, you know, it requires that you come to quite another vastness of options. In other words, your body isn't a body until it has trillions of cells already developing. And that's, that means billions and trillions and upon trillions <laughs> of atoms already in that position, kind of magnifying or gravitated to that same area, developing and moving together to become this body, say, even a finger. So that just really, if you grasp it, it blows your mind. I always thought it was interesting, too. Um, the nuclear idea from Einstein, E equals mc squared, is energy is equal to mass times the speed of light squared. So when we blow up an atomic bomb... What we're really doing is we're just taking one neutron and freeing it, and we're releasing all of the energy. And it's just like one neutron, one little tiny, infinitesimally small, little itsy bitsy subatomic particle <laughs> is a nuclear explosion. And you think of, man, how much energy is in all of the atoms and all of the stuff that's inside of me all the time? It's enough to power the universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But we, I'm fascinated by how much we like to see ourselves as something small. We like to exercise this bad faith. I'm a small body. I have no options. I'm weak and powerless. And we turn our brains off. We don't want to see anything else. And this constant like progression to see the vastness of everything. Yeah. Yeah, even as this state of our being, this ability to comprehend these words and to use our mouth <laughs> together all getting all these cells to work in the fashion to, mm -hmm. to be able to do this. 
and it really is a, a lack of better words a huge milestone for the universe uh, mm. as far as coming to this point and not really referencing any other dimension further on that you know e each one really would be an additional milestone I mean just think how glorious it was be when when <laughs> atoms developed cells you know it's like, oh, yeah, we're all these little bodies, you know. I, <laughs> look, we're doing something. It's like, oh, don't do that, you know. That's evil, right? <laughs> oh, he's Is accepting. Adam's bumping into each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you only, only accept proteins in your being instead of, I don't know. I don't <laughs> have any good terms. You know, what would be a sin to except for a cell into its ingestion uh, as far as right. referring to hormones you know it's like oh my gosh he is so stuffed with estrogen i can't believe it <laughs> or think about like murder on a cellular level you know cells shouldn't kill other cells it's like well but they have to, because if they don't, your body doesn't work. There has to be a flow and a cycle of cells growing and dying all the time. It has to. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have fingers. So it's like whatever that, whoever that cell was that climbed that brain mountain and came back with the, the commandments of what a cell can or can't <laughs> do. You know, that was the beginning of cancer when it realized, oh, no, you're not supposed to go on your own and express your own way of living and start developing you know evolution of of cells and becoming more <laughs> so you know there's mm. cancer because you're breaking the rules and Stop we need to we need to kill you off so we can break <laughs> another rule with, but it's appropriate mm. <laughs> you know just relating that to the life you know we think we understand the world then, you know, all of a sudden we're shot back into the practicalities of life, you know. Mm. <laughs> it becomes this whole different scenario. It's like, oh, yeah, what are we going to do when we're actually confronted with something we don't like happening? Are we going to just go back on, you know, well, this is the way the world works, and this guy stole this from me, and I'm going to get upset, and, <laughs> you know, it, may, it makes sense. It does. I mean, it has its set ways, but at the same time, if I'm making that decision, then I, it's kind of an indicator that I am associating myself to this perspective of being a body, being a world, being mm -hmm. in a world. And that's perfectly acceptable and fine. There's no rush or urgency to be anything else, but if you did want to, come into a different perspective of the peace of God, let's say, then it requires a different mindset and associating with a different thing or beings or aspects of what you are, you know, not just mm. a separate self among separate selves. You know what That's true. Does instead a, of like does an atom really go to court over someone stealing its electron <laughs> it's true because all these subatomic particles are attracted to each other and make an atom and then atoms are attracted to each other and make molecules and then molecules get together and make all these cells 
on an every single level. Actually, when you go through chemistry and biology, they tell you there's 10 different levels of this organization, which oh, is kind of ironic. 10? <laughs> and uh, it's always a system of these individual parts that work in concert with each other to make up a greater whole. And they make cells, and cells make organs, and organs make a body. So to stop there and be like, well, I'm, I'm a body, and I'm a single person by myself, and, and that's it. And someone can hurt me, and someone can kill this body and stuff. It's all very silly. Yeah. It almost requires you to start thinking different. If you, you know, even someone discovering that, I and mean, I think of some reason I don't have names. I'm not a real scholar on history or anything, but the guy that started recognizing that there's germs and discovering germs, uh, you Van know, Leeuwenhoek. what was his name? Van Leeuwenhoek. Yeah, I mean, well, he got really paranoid and started getting really secluded in his house, you know, seeing all of it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden the world was different and he, everything was evil in the sense of bringing on death and he had to cut himself off and really eventually he, you know, had to start reaching out, saying, telling people about this, to, you know, telling people the world's different than you think it is. There's more mm -hmm. to it than you think it is and... The reason you keep getting sick is because of these things and and all that and you know I I almost feel like the same thing. I feel like that <laughs> I have a, a different way of thinking and I have the option of just getting paranoid and secluded and uh, becoming a hermit and just cutting myself from everybody. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, I'm like I see a way of consciousness that is manifest. And I want to tell the world. I want to tell everybody. I'm like, this is why you're getting sick, and this is what's happening. <laughs> and it's you know, it's it's hard at the same time because even at that time period, you know, it wasn't accepted. It was before his time, but he began a wave, you know, where even today, I you know, I wouldn't say I believe in germs in the same fashion, but I'm seeing mm -hmm. something completely different with the world. Like I, the state of the world is a different standard than what most people would say is reality to me. Mm. I've often thought about that because we have to study these, you know, old scientists who really develop what we know today. And there was a guy named Van Leeuwenhoek and he made, he was a glass grinder and he made the first microscope. And he's like, I wonder what I can see. And so he picked some stuff off his teeth and put it on the end of a toothpick and looked at it through his microscope. And he describes what he saw as there was these little beasties, little tiny beasts, you know, roaming all around and all gooey and stuff. Yeah. And I, that moment to him must have been like an epiphany, like, oh, my gosh, there's animals on that level in my body. It explodes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it is kind of gross. Think about it. Right. But just just think of, you know, when planet Earth finally gets a microscope and starts looking at us. Like, mm. whoa, what? Wait, what? <laughs> What's well, funny, too, because it demonstrates human nature. How at first we're like, oh, my gosh, these things. We started to get the idea that these little beasties are killing us. Oh, it's disease. And, you know, this is chickenpox, which is a virus. But, you know, an infection and all this stuff. But then we do more research and we find out, oh, well, <clears throat> actually... Certain of these beasties that live in us actually protect us. And without them, we would die. Yeah. It's bizarre. <laughs> They're working for us. I know. And so there's this whole, we literally are, it's the weirdest thing we're starting to discover this. We have what's called our own biome. And it's 
our bodies are an entire ecosystem of little <laughs> tiny bacterias and all this fungus and virus and all these things that are living on us all the time. But it's like the harmony of all these things living in and on us and with our cells and stuff that keep us going and keep us doing and being what we are. <sighs> we are a world full of life, we're, literally. We're, we're, we're an ego system in a solar <laughs> system. <laughs> I think it's our, our soul system. Our soul system. Yeah. I always wonder, like you're talking about, you know, do those atoms know of if they just died or if they're alive. And I often think about, you know, the bacteria that live on us and these little tiny beasties, even at that level of organization, I wonder if they care. I had a science teacher tell us once, yeah. if you died, the bacteria on you wouldn't even notice. It would be like, like nothing. They wouldn't yeah. even care. <laughs> and that's just on that level where we can see, you know, we can barely, if anything, hardly at all see we only see the evidence of atoms and to say that they wouldn't notice. I mean, as far as these beasties, which I like that word, um, <laughs> you know, if they wouldn't even notice, I mean, of course the atoms wouldn't even notice, even if the beasties died, you know, Man. it's pretty intense it's, and it opens it, up, then it just opens up your mind to saying, you know, there's something more about the world here and there's something greater that's happening, and I really mm. want to see it and understand it. Uh, mm. As far as, you know, observation and how science is really the study of observation and, and theories of what it's looking at, um, in the same sense as in meditation and prayer, mm. it's as well as med uh, observation, you know, it's an observation as well. I'm learning, you know, what I am. Um, Vipassana meditation that I talk about often is directly translated to observing it as it is and it's just watching as it is and you learn from what it is instead of trying to always react from what it is all the time and thinking you know what's best for you and you keep making the same decisions instead of just hey just recognize that it's happening just see it happening you know, just let it happen. Keep letting it happen. Don't don't do anything trying to stop the pain or the the sensation or whatever. It's just a sensation. You're just watching it. Mm -hmm. Just see it, watch it, and you know it brings you to a different comprehension of reality. Just taking that uh, vacation of of insisting that you have to act and react to fend off death and and all <laughs> that stuff. So it, it makes a whole new world for you. And it's just the beginning. I was walking back from work um, earlier today. And I had an experience that I was going to tell you related to that, just observing your feelings and stuff. I don't remember what happened. Something happened, though. And I had this emotion. And I'm like, I'm going to go do this. And I'm making a firm resolve. And that's mm -hmm. it. This is going to change. I'm going to do this different. And like, I just let it happen. And I almost stepped back. And in a flash of insight, I saw the entire story arc of how that emotion was going to start and end. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, this absolute resolve to do something. I'm like, yeah, in five minutes, I'm going to be out of this. I'm going to totally forget about it. Whatever feeling I'm having now is just going to come and go. And it was like, I don't know if it's because I've had so much experience and I'm old or I was able to step back and just watch the emotion or something. But I saw it like a wave just passing over me. Yeah. Instead of getting caught up in it. Yeah, you've done that before, you know. 
You're coming out of your insanity of making the same decisions and expecting different results. Mm. You started recognizing, and yeah, as a wave, you know, it is as far as that energetic world, you know, the movement of atoms and that probability idea, it's like it's brushing through us, like literally waves of, of this ocean of energy moving around the planet, in the planet, all around, outside of this, you know, the moon and all those ideas. <laughs> it's, you know, all the time, it's just this big cloudy mesh of movement and somehow we want to say that there's actually a, a stagnant body here. Uh, <laughs> it's actually measurable. I, I love these guys that actually still for the past like 20 years have offered this idea of not just an idea, but they actually give the weather report on energy <laughs> and saying, you know, what, what this type of energy manifests as you know and in its greatest form in the body is you know herpes or or something you know and it, <laughs> chicken pox and and so as they talk about oh chicken pox is blowing through the area of this so and so and blah 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 and and for most people some people with this type of resistance and that type of resistance they have oh it's foot pain for them and it's throat throat tickle for them and then this idea and you're, you're you're like shocked that they can tell you what's blowing through that through this area that you see i mean most of us don't communicate about what pains are going through but that That's that true. whole factor is like you know actually all say pisces are actually having this foot pain right now in this area you know <laughs> it's about this this movement of energy that's just naturally happening as we're just it's just brushing blowing through and and emotions is one of the most way of consciousness expressing how that feels and it's a reaction to a certain amount of resistance or pain within that consciousness perspective of what the body's perspective is also going through so the body's mm -hmm. perspective is pain and then the resistance and consciousness is another development called emotions. I read a book once really? and it talked about can doctors be replaced by computers? <laughs> and it said computers are often better at diagnosing problems without thinking about the last problem they saw or the next problem. Doctors can't do that. And so sometimes you'll get a bunch of cases of the same disease that come in at once, even like a really rare disease, like yeah. necrotizing fasciitis, the three of them are coming at the same time, <clears throat> but you're only supposed to see like once every 10 years or something, you know? And so the doctor will say, well, this is a statistical anomaly. Like I, I can't be seeing three of the same cases at once. This is, this would be too rare. And so they start to second guess themselves and stuff. But if you think about it in terms of like weather patterns, if a bunch of cases of something came in at once, even like really rare diseases or stuff, you know, that could happen. The doctor wouldn't want to see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, if you get that sort of a comprehension like yourself of seeing that and understanding that, maybe I can connect you with those people. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it'd give you a whole nother perspective in your field. And to offer such a perspective to people, and it, it just opens up doorways. And, you right. know, instead of we're just these beasties on this planet, you know, there's a whole nother... <laughs> <laughs> more happening i love 
when you can take something that should be random, like occurrence of a random, a rare disease or something, but you can put meaning behind it. Or even yeah. like the flow of electrons and atoms. Or, oh, this is a probability cloud. But if there's meaning and order behind it, it's like, wow. Yeah. It just a blows my mind open. A diagnosis, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and usually we already come up with a diagnosis before legally a doctor diagnoses us. Uh, it's it's like that idea. Oh, I'm getting this sickness, and oh, it must be a cold, or even without words, I'm getting this. Oh, it's a stuffy nose, or something or other. Right. And, you know, we've already defined it, and that's kind of the thing. You know, I hate to say it because every time I kind of get into saying I haven't been sick for years, all of a sudden I'm sick again. <laughs> so it's the same idea. It's like I have to step away in consciousness of even thinking that it's a possibility and that when I am getting sick, it's more of a, a definition. I need to redefine what I'm looking at, that I, I, I've been misunderstanding and I think I, I see beasties, but really I see atoms. You know, it's not, it's not actually happening that way. And it depends on how far we want to go and how much we want to experience get, to get to a greater experience. You know, in my training to be a doctor, one of the best things I ever learned when I'm interacting with patients is the first question I always ask. Someone will come in, they'll have some problem. First thing I'll say is, what do you think you have? Because hmm. someone told me in medicine once, everyone knows what they have. Everyone walking in the door usually has an idea of what they have. Ask them, and they'll tell you what their diagnosis is. Yeah, that's pretty good. I completely agree. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> the consciousness is uh, far more powerful and vast. And what it, you know, that observation idea, just its development, <laughs> the physical development, the spiritual development, whatever of it is manifest from the conscious development and what the consciousness is. Mm. So. If you really want to get out of pain and suffering, you have to translate and change how, the way you think. It's required. Mm -hmm. Or else you're, you're habitually going to think, oh, I felt this before and this is that. And oh, this could be this and that. Oh. And, you know, even suffering in any sort. You know, even if you haven't felt that disease before, people can ask you, are you feeling weak? And you're like, oh, yeah, I feel weak. Are you feeling this mm -hmm. or that? And you're like, yeah, I feel that. No, I don't feel that. Like you already have definitions in the separate little parts. And right. and that's the idea that it all has come to a collective amount to be diagnosed as this. But really it's this manifestation of very distinct beliefs and habits of thinking that have manifest in those probabilities of atoms and what they're going to be. And that naturally has a reaction to the physical body and the manifestation within the physical body to become such an element as that <laughs> herpes or whatever i don't know <laughs> hunter's like the first thing i hear when i came into the room was herpes I'm like herpes <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't think of anything else i don't know why <laughs> it's funny uh, that is funny <laughs> yeah it is interesting how stuff works yeah and that's what makes miracles possible as far as healing and everything is is to you mm. as for in even Jesus looks at the world completely differently, and that is to say, mm. you know, the idea of probabilities. He could let you run along and you know, your limp, 
you can't walk and do your own thing. And, you know, even at times the apostles turn to him and it's like, well, this guy, this, this man can't walk. He's been lame his whole life. Why don't you pick him up and heal him? And, like, mm. and he turns to him and he's like, do you want to be healed? Do you want <laughs> to walk? He's like, I'm, he would have passed him right up thinking absolutely nothing's wrong. And he's like, oh, did you want this? You know, I'm not going to do it because other people want But do you want it? And in a recognition that you're doing this to yourself, do you want it different? Hmm. It's pretty intense. One thing, one thing I've been focusing on lately <clears throat> is trying to not resist stuff that's coming in, mm. like those emotions that wash over me and stuff, or pain, or sicknesses, or whatever. Not to get caught up in it, because I know the more I resist it, it just grows and festers and gets worse. The guy who can't walk, you know, <clears throat> I can't walk. And he makes this identification, this identity self, makes this story and keeps telling himself the story and reinforcing the story. And Jesus just comes along and he's like, yeah, but what about the story where you can walk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might be shocked. It's a whole nother universe, but it's right here and right now. <laughs> there is this story. Right. We just have to change your past. You ready to let go of the old one? Most people are like, oh, but my family, I love them and everything. And they're like, what are you talking about? You're saying they're not going to be in the new story? <laughs> no, no, it's in the old story and the new story. All the loving things will remain. They won't be taken from you. That, in fact, the love is in all of the stories. It's the only constant mm -hmm. that is existing. The story that you see a different thing happening in another one is just a, a, a degree of resistance to that same love that exists. Mm. So it's like the you can't walk in this story as an example. It's a little more complicated, but has more resistance to the love that can walk. And it's just a degree of resistance. Can I express my pure love and health and happiness and ultimately saying I can do anything with God in mm -hmm. this scenario. No, I can't. I am have bad faith and I <laughs> can't walk because of my body and this and that and the, the beasties and... <laughs> I've been trying to keep that in mind. Like, the only real thing is love. And like all the resistance that we have to the love creates everything I don't like in my life. But as soon, like the things don't even have to change. It's just my attitude about them has to change. Yeah. To be able to feel that love and everything. I always think back to our intro to that one verse, you know, like whenever you fall in diverse temptations, count it all joy. What? <laughs> it's all just a state of being, you know? Yeah. Like, Yes. I'm going through another learning experience. I'm going to get some experience and go through something, and it'll be a story, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, man. It's funny. It is hard to understand when you're obsessed with it being this way as bodies and this size and, you know, that you actually know what you're looking at. And so... As far as even the quantum physics laws and understanding as that such is makes it seem, you know, different, you know, different 
ways of existing. I mean, that idea of love, you know, and we think of even with uh, many religions that they insist that when they feel that divine in a person, they feel this love around them and they even glow. And if we went into mm. this idea of quantum physics that every atom and previous two atoms and before that and before that, you know, is the actual essence of love in which it all has derived from, that to say that it every atom is influenced by this amount of love, you know, mm. it, it literally is being blown apart that as we talked about, that an atom needs to have a certain amount of resistance to be a certain element. That mm -hmm. if if you take away the electrons and the, the negative charges and the positive charges and you make it all positive, you know, it's not going to be the same structure. It might even, let's say, disappear or transcend from the visual presence of a person. If they literally has no more resistance or negative charges in any of their atoms. They will literally burst in light and disappear. But they won't be disappeared. They won't be anywhere less present. They would be actually more present in this state of love. You know, actual experience of being twinkled, let's say. Actually, that's scientifically, it's pretty accurate. The idea of the Merck Center in Europe, the big atom smasher. They take this atom and they spin it around this big, huge tunnel for miles and miles and miles and get it going supersonic speeds until it smashes into another atom. And then they track the explosion to see what particles come out of, out of it. And that's how they found what subatomic particles are. And if you take an electron, there's actually an anti-electron particle. I think it's called a positron. And when they touch each other, they become nothing. They neutralize. When the oppositions find each other and they stop opposing each other it just it leaves existence yeah and it's that's the weirdest to say, thing to watch you know even it's just perception of existence all going into an alternate dimensional state literally right where you have to be there to see it it's almost like when you forget about good and evil you let go of those competing exactly. oppositions and other and stuff you let go of it, you transcend into a higher plane of existence. Exactly. I don't I don't think think there's a a real problem in in using the term atom. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that the term atom <laughs> has been used in the Bible and accepting the knowledge of good and evil. And mm. that it really is in that understanding that oh now I have a positive and a negative. Mm -hmm. And now I become physical thing. I become this idea that I will live and die. And that it only happens in that perspective. But to the actual evidence of what an electron is and even the atom, it doesn't die. It doesn't even live. It's the same existence before and after and within. And it, it's only through the perspective of being a greater thing that dies. Well, it's interesting to think about what you're saying. Just a few more minutes, just a few more minutes. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Physical existence can only exist while we accept opposition. Like literally, the physical world can only even be here as long as we can accept opposition. If there's a, a positive and a negative to anything, 
then our physical bodies come into being, you know. But as soon as we let go of those definitions, they literally leave the physical universe. The physicality of it disappears. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's even just touching on this subject, just barely touching on it. It's we're opening up other dimensional perspectives that just to think of what it would be like to live as something other than a body. I mean, that's exactly how we got into the body in the first place. Just think of mm. how it would be like to have a body, <laughs> you know, to have this collective of trillions of atoms in all of us and all, and, and to have these things called cells and to be a beast. And it's like, we think of, <laughs> we think of like the mark of the beast, you know, you see it on their forehead or their right arm. And I'm like, no, the mark of the beast is having a forehead or having an arm. <laughs> And the fact that you think you can see a body is the elements of what is an animal, a beast. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, that's, that's why I'm throwing you a little... <laughs> as if I'm not blasphemous enough already. Right. <laughs> In our show called False Prophet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is suggest that there would be a time that everything sacred will be questioned and, and exposed. That time is coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No rush. No rush. <laughs> no rush. I, I find it more talking about my personal scenario. You know, if I really want to go beyond knowledge of good and evil, I have to question everything I think is right, everything I think is wrong. You know, that's mm. funny how we keep getting into, like, the discussions a little bit about even the Tao Te Ching verse I did today. <laughs> and it starts out, when one determines things as beautiful, it must also see other things determined as ugly. When mm -hmm. one determines things as good, it must also see things determined as bad. And it's like, it's not, we think it's talking about opposition here, but it's really just talking about a state of consciousness and thinking. And that it's that idea that there is opposition, that opposition seems to exist. It's only through that determination of consciousness that it perceives separate things. Mm. So... That's available on my website, too. Well, that episode's not up there yet, but it will be soon. Are you doing one of those every day or every week? or what? You know, I, I'm doing them every week, but there's 83, right? 81? Oh, yeah. And that's over a year if I do it every, once a week. So I'm thinking I'm going to move into two, but I got to get mm. more on the ball of translating them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Life is pretty intense around here. I've never had so much go, go, go kind of an attitude and with with children that I have to chase after and stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty, it's, it's wonderful to think about it really, but it is another level or degree of stress I've never experienced. Mm, yeah. A new experience. Yeah, that's all it is. And I'm grateful. So, okay, thank you, Mark. Again, yeah. oh, Dr. Mark, sorry. 
Is that a PhD that you're going for? No, it's MD. MD. Medical doctor. Okay. I don't I don't know really the difference <laughs> really, but yeah, okay. It's fancy. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so I'll talk to you next week, all right? Sounds good. Thank you. Talk to you all later. Bye.